Hey everyone, welcome to What Are You Watching? I'm Alex Withrow and I'm joined as always by my best man Nick Dostal. How you doing there, pumpkin? I'm uh I'm not thrilled to be here, man. Why? <laughs> Tough day for you. This How is, is it to research this one? This is not my area. <laughs> but who doesn't love a good scare? I mean, at least every now and then. Halloween is this weekend, and I don't know what better way to prep for it than by discussing the movies that absolutely scare the shit out of us. And that's what we're going to talk about today specifically. We are going to discuss the scariest movies you and I have ever seen to us personally. Not our favorite movies of the horror genre, but really specifically the movies of any genre that scare us and why. So we'll kick it off here. You already kind of <laughs> hinted at it, but tell me about your relationship to, you know, scary movies, horror movies, and then in general, what kinds of movies scare you the most? All of them. Every yeah. single goddamn one of them. <laughs> I am the biggest scaredy cat that you'll ever meet, though I am a very fun person to take to the movies for a horror movie because very true. I very will true. climb up on my chair, I will close my eyes, I will jump, I will scream, I will talk. I, I'm the guy that's like, oh no, 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 no. Oh, don't do that. Why are we here? Yeah. <laughs> but at least you're along for the ride, you know? At least <laughs> You have no choice. There's no yeah, fucking choice. Good, exactly. <laughs> and a good one, and a good one that grabs you, you really don't have a choice. But like But you know, and in, in, in revisiting for all these movies for this podcast, I realized when I was a kid, I loved horror movies. They might have been like my favorite genre for a period of time. But I think I scared myself shitless too many times as a kid <laughs> and then experienced like real life. And and then I'm like, you know what? Real life is scary enough. I don't need <laughs> movies to fucking scare me anymore because it's too much. It's a fair point. It's fair. Um, so that's why we thought this might be the makings for a good conversation, because I don't scare that easily. But what does scare me really, really terrifies me. And we're going to get into that stuff. But, you know, I don't know if I liked horror movies as much as you did as a kid. I, w I wasn't scared of them. I just was, you know, gravitated towards other stuff. But then when I saw some of the movies we're going to talk about, it really opened up the genre for me in like a completely different way. And I didn't know that you can take a lot of risks in scary movies. And the way that you scare someone doesn't just have to be like blood and guts. And that's what, I don't know, that's what I've always appreciated. Because again, that stuff doesn't really scare me. In general, for me personally, to really scare me, it's got to be, typically it's got to be something that can actually happen. And, you know, something that's messed up and disturbing, of course. But looking at the movies I picked, I think the most common theme is basically innocent people being fucked with, <laughs> like for no reason and having really bad stuff happen to them. And I didn't know if you look over your picks, if you had kind of a general theme or are they all over the place in terms of, you know, like types of scares? They're a little bit all over the place, but I definitely can like pinpoint exactly what it is about these movies that I can't handle. <laughs> and it, it's similar. It's it's like the real life is really, I think, the number one, like the disturbing parts of it, like this sure. could really happen. 
Um, but then again, like in a slasher flick, I will be the one covering my eyes and being like, nope, nope, he's right there. He's right fucking there. Um, <laughs> and, and then it also goes into, uh, specifics. I am terrified of a plane crash. So Ooh, some of those right. end up kind of getting in there. So it's all over the fucking place, but, um, uh, well, let's get into it. it. You look at your face is turning red. Uh, this is good because I mean, just a, a little behind the scenes. We came up with some ideas as a way to spur discussion, but I don't know the movies you picked. I said, let's try to keep it at like 10. You don't know the movies I picked. So this is really going to be all over the place. It's kind of like our favorite um, scores, favorite songs and soundtracks where we just sort of picked a genre or like in this case, an emotion being really scared. And we're going to talk about ones that we like. So here we go. What is the first movie that you remember scaring the hell out of you? Oh, my God. Trolls 2. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Really? How old were you when you saw that? I, it, what, However old that I must have been when it came out on video, like I, I, I want to say maybe six is somewhere around there. <laughs> I I saw so many movies way too young probably, but oh, yeah, I here. remember being at my like family home in Rochester, New York and it was pro- I think it was Easter and we watched this movie and I remember there's something that happens where these people would eat this green stuff and then basically turn into trolls. There was one scene where I think like branches started coming out of this guy's head and I couldn't take that. And I was so, so freaked out. I had to turn, I had to tell everyone to turn the movie off. It was too much. And then the next day, everyone got these like green cannolis and I threw them away. I'm like, no one can eat this. This green, we're going to turn into trolls. Probably pistachio. I bet they were delicious. Oh, they were pissed. Everyone was not happy. <laughs> Have you ever seen or heard of a documentary called Best Worst Movie? I... Made in like 2015 <laughs> about like just this, the cult following behind that. I haven't thought about Troll 2 in a really long time, but that's that's a well-made and like hilarious documentary. But it, you know, you got to mention that if you mention Troll 2. <laughs> Exactly. That's the funniest thing is it's regarded like one of like the worst things ever made. And yeah, it's the exactly. thing that scared me the most. <laughs> so I was around the same age for mine and mine is, oh man, it just gives me chills like saying this title, Fire in the Sky, released in 1993. Oh, dude. Yeah. Oh, <gasps> yeah. Okay, good. Gotcha. I gotcha. Holy shit. Yep, exactly. So no this, way. I, I'm telling you, man, this came out when I was seven and I, I remember, I remember oh my God, so vividly seeing this because it it just fucking terrified me so badly. And it, it it's a movie about an, an apparent alien abduction that happened in Arizona in 1975. And it's based on a true story, quote unquote. The guy who was, again, apparently abducted, Travis Walton, he's still alive and telling a story today. And, you know, whatever you think about aliens, like, these types of movies do not scare me now, but when I saw this when I was seven, I, I still remember that fear. I couldn't I couldn't really sleep for days. I definitely could not sleep with the lights off for weeks. And um, I, I remember learning when I became an adult 
that this movie is only PG-13. And I was like, holy shit, are you serious? Because there's a flashback sequence of Travis being abducted oh. and probed and tested on the alien ship. And it, it, I, I just, I can't even, I don't know how many times I've been that scared, like in my actual life. I, I could not look away. I was watching it alone. And I guess because it's PG-13, they could probably show a lot of it on TV. Because I, I don't know if I saw this on like TNT or what, but by your reaction, I can kind of tell that it had an effect on you as well. But yeah. it scared me damn near to death. My my mom and I, we were giant X-Files fans. Mm, so mm-hmm. that's how that's how young that I was when we were watching it live. Like every Sunday it was on Fox or whatever yeah. day it was. Best theme so, ever, still. Best theme song. Most terrifying like theme song ever. Oh, God. And there are some episodes of that show that are truly terrifying. And I was into it. And I remember my mom and I, we would both get scared together. So I guess that's the fun of it. But I remember I was like, what are some movies that are like kind of like this? And my mom's like, do you want to watch A Fire in the Sky? <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, mom. Oh, shit. We watched it and I was fucked up. I was like, oh, okay. I think that was too much. I I mean, yeah, that is still, that is a terrifying sequence. And it's a really, I I don't know. I wish that movie had a better life. Like I looked to see if it was on streaming. It is some places, but not really. It's just not that popular and it deserves to be a little more popular. Oh, man. Now I want to jump to the big reveal and I want to go to the number one scariest movie you have ever seen and you know we usually save these reveals like our favorites for the end but i thought it'd be good to bring it up now because it will probably inform the rest of our picks so that's what we're gonna do i don't care what the genre is i just care how it makes you feel you look absolutely terrified right now (laughs) to just bring it up all right what i'll let you go first to get it over with this is like a, a a huge shift because this is about as real as it gets mine's real too I was so disturbed by it that I only got through, I don't even remember. I turned it off, though, because I couldn't do it. You ever hear of a movie called Zero Day? Yes, I have. I, so you've never finished it, like, to the end? Never finished it. Here's nope. my relationship to Zero Day. Before you say what it's about, I saw a clip on YouTube that said it was a clip from the actual event. And I was like, oh, my God, they... How did they find this and put this online? But it was a fucking clip from that movie. That's how real yeah. that movie is. It's really just about these two kids in high school um, who put together an agenda for a school shooting. Mm-hmm. And um, and you're watching them do the... Oh, my God. It's, so, it's, it's hard to even fucking talk about. The day-to-day things that they're doing to put together this event. And the way that they're talking and what they're doing, it's all so specific and so real that it puts you into the headspace of that. And I, I just, I, 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 I still can't right now. Oh my God, no. It's a really, really tough watch because it was released, made and released in 2003. I believe it has like the found footage motif. And it just, again, I saw a clip of this online. I, I don't even know, like in... 2011 and some basically some jerk had been like inside Columbine when like when it went down and it was one of those things where I didn't even just like started I don't know I didn't have time to unclick and I went oh my god and then I realized I went no wait this like I read some of the comments and I'm like wait this is a clip from a movie what fuck oh my god so yeah that's it's really really intense you know it came out the same you want a tough uh 
double feature. Watch this in Elephant, Gus Van Zandt's film, which is oh, yeah. a much I know more, that one. Um, you know, poetic, lyrical kind of version of this story. But it, they, it'd be a tough double feature back to back. And did you know the director of Zero Day co-wrote um, Place Beyond the Pines, which we did on this pod here? Ben Whoa, really? Yeah. Wow. That's a movie that sadly gets more and more and more relevant all the time. <laughs> and it's like, and, oh, and, man. and that's, and that's the thing. Like it's, it's, it's important in that way, but no, I mean, I, I, I hear you on elephant because I've seen elephant as well. And I think I was able to hide in the poetic lyrical sure. aspect of that horror. It's exactly what he was going for. Yep. But this was not, mm-hmm. was just all literal. And I'm like, I, it was, it was too, it was too much. Yeah, uh, the scariest movie I have ever seen has been spoiled because it is in my top ten of all time, where it still remains, and that is uh, John Borman's Deliverance, and it yep. it has always been that way. Yet I, because it is the scariest movie I have ever seen, and possibly the most disturbing, it just I have a high amount of respect for it. And you know, my family, like growing up, my family was a camping family. It camping was a fun, affordable way to spend a long weekend. You know, it's we always stayed on populated campsites and some a little more than others. And I, I genuinely never had a problem with it ever. And we didn't go like every weekend or anything, but you know, a few times a year for sure. And when I was 10, I saw this movie deliverance and the simplest way I can put it is that it made camping unsafe for me. I never even thought to suspect that there was anything dangerous about being in the woods, about camping, like Stay away from big animals, yes, duh, but I never, I was just too young to realize that you could be out there on your own, minding your own business, and your entire life could simply be ruined because you decided to rest while canoeing or whatever it is. And then, you know, by the time I saw Deliverance, I had already seen a movie in which a man is violated by another man. I had seen, I saw Pulp Fiction before this, so... So I knew what that was, but I never knew it was a possibility in like a place that I thought was, you know, safe or comfortable. And then from that point on, from that first viewing on, I have never gotten enjoyment out of camping. Not once. I've been, but I'm not comfortable. I don't feel safe. I do not like being outside with completely open surroundings. And when it gets dark, you can't see 20 feet from you. And and the best comparison I can make, the one I always make is that, I know a lot of people who loved to go into the ocean, loved to go to the beach. They saw Jaws and the ocean made them uncomfortable. I've seen Jaws. I love Jaws. I still love the ocean. I still love the beach. So, you know, it goes whichever way it goes. (laughs) You know, that's a fascinating uh, point about, well, because obviously the psychological trauma of that movie is there and like what happens to these men and what is happens to them. But when you just talk about environment, that is a very, very fascinating thing because you're right. The beach for Jaws, the woods for camping, um, there's like a lot of environmental settings that once that's taken away from you, I mean, not that the ocean is a safe place mm-hmm. in general because you can drown. A lot of things can happen like open water, for example. Oh, yeah. you know, Great yeah, scare. I mean, we're, we're, that's not our natural habitat. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. the, the water is not where we belong in even the woods, the forest yeah. is anything is really not our, we, we have found ways that we can 
we can find ways to survive in these areas, but that's not where we belong. But to take away any type of safety in that way, it really does put a giant block in the way that we approach being in those places. That's uh, that's crazy. Yes, and I, I agree, and I kind of want to go go in on this because there's another... Uh, like, obviously, when I say Deliverance, the scariest movies, you can almost kind of hear the eye rolls of why I'm saying that. But it it goes beyond just the, that initial scene of brutalization against Ned Beatty. Because then what happens is, th- that's a very disturbing scene, of course, yes. But moreover, is you stay with that entire group after it's happened. I mean, most movies, even even movies with the most horrific depictions of sexual assault I can think of, the majority of them cut away pretty quickly after the attack. You don't have to sit in the misery of what this person has been through. And, you know, the next big sequence in Deliverance, they're fighting for their lives. And it's just kind of the natural flow of movies. And what movies have taught us is that they're the good guys. They're going to get away. And then the alpha male, the leader of the bunch, gets wiped out. He doesn't get killed, but he is now immobile. And... There's a whole other movie because, you know, then we follow John Voight up like that overlook, that rock ridge. And there's a whole other movie down below where this guy who's just been brutalized is sitting down there all night with his thoughts, like trying to nurse this alpha male friend, you know, trying to help him not die because he has an open fracture on his leg. And there's a whole movie down there. Like, what the hell's that guy going through? And then just where the movie goes and what Ned Beatty has to go through, it's like it really let me know that. Innocence can be lost despite your best intentions or your best efforts. No matter what the hell you're doing, things can just not go your way. My dumb luck sometimes. Do you, how often do you watch that movie? Oh, Deliverance is at least annually, if not twice a year, at least. <laughs> oh, yeah. What? Of course. I love it. Oh, yeah. Since I was 10. There's a few. You got. I mean, people, I know you understand this. My dad understands this. My wife certainly now understands it. But like this is, I mean, this is it, folks. It's just the movies here. This is just go go all in. And yeah, there's a few that's a pod I would love to do. Do you have movies you just like you don't have to go back to every year, but you just do. And like five years later, you're like, oh my, have I really watched this? Like like Scream. I'll watch Scream at least two times a year for the rest of my life. I, I don't know why. I just love that movie. I you know, there's a bunch on there, but yeah, Deliverance is definitely one of them. That that would be a cool pod to do a, like a pod of our like top whatever movies that we just like most watched like we put this on all the time whenever it doesn't matter yeah and because there's so many different genres too now we're just going to get into our list no if you want some of the prompt questions i threw out you can but i just said give me some movies that scare you and tell me why so if you want to take it away and go first you can or i can no let's get it over with i'm fucking gonna go i'm I'm a man let's let's do this do it (laughs) um so I'm going to start with a movie that's not necessarily probably actually considered scary, but it scared the shit out of me. <laughs> and that is we need to talk about Kevin. Ooh, no, that's that's a totally legitimate pick. Lynn Ramsey. Uh, we, we sing her praises as much as we can. And this movie is a truly, truly well done, well made movie by, in my opinion, I think she is one of the best directors out there today. She's like um, the personification of an artist. Like, I just yes. you watch, go watch this movie and you were never really here back to back. That is a fucking artist behind those cuts, those shots, all of it. And this is 100%. If you need a reason to not have kids, 
watch this because this movie single-handedly is <laughs> oh man i don't like kids we we've talked about it yeah. I, i've actually grown to 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 actually um rebuttal my my opinion on watching movies with kids but for the most part i don't like the little fuckers and so this movie is just like see this is why this is why i don't want it there's the, the slight chance that you're just gonna have a little fucking asshole like this kid and yeah. it's just pure evil and, and you know you know what you know what i'm done i'm done we don't need to talk about kevin because i don't want to talk about it Okay, well then I'll describe what it's about since you can't really get control of yourself. It's a movie told non-linearly, told out of order about a Ezra Miller has committed a horrible school shooting. And then we go back and forth through the eyes of his mother, Tilda Swinton, and see, you know, her life pre-kids and marriage. And then her life after this legitimate, like, born terror comes into her life. And he, it's depicted very clearly that from damn near birth or at least cognitive thought he is out to like ruin her life and the story i have about that is that my mom was not easily rattled by movies and this one just that i'll never forget her reaction uh, upon watching it and she was like that was so just disturbing and so and she was she loves scary movies you know rewatching researching this episode it just made me send me down memory lane a lot she was a total horror junkie but yeah this one really mess her up for sure but no that's a great pick like that's a truly terrifying movie done by an artist and it's it's always interesting to kind of see it's always good to see when an artist tackles material like that because they can usually make it not exploitive and that is not at all and one thing i really love about it is that i think there is a tendency when you're watching it because of the way it's structured and the way it's kind of laid out that you almost want to feel like you're going into a supernatural Mm -hmm. type of place with it oh that's a good point you never do yeah like and that's the scariest part is like just i think as audiences we are conditioned to actually think that way and and we're sort of kind of like positions to oh if we're talking about like a demon type of kid you know you're not just talking you you must be actually talking about a supernatural demon not the reality that you just have a kid that's just Born bad, baby. Born bad. And that, I think, is the what ultimately ends up being the scariest part of that movie is like, there's nothing supernatural about this. This is just that evil of a, of a human. That was a doozy to start us off with. It kind of made me want to rewatch it, actually. It's a great movie. I'd rewatch <laughs> I've it. I've been seeing it years. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I'm, yeah, we're going to be bouncing around. I'm going to do two in a row here because as I was going through, occasionally there was room for just like a natural double feature or two of my picks that went well together i ended up having two documentaries for instance so i'm gonna so i'm gonna do those now the first one is uh, a 22 minute short film called blood of the beasts i doubt you've seen this no at least in 1949 directed by george frenju and he's probably best known for his incredible horror film eyes without a face from 1960 <gasps> and it, <laughs> Look at your face. Eyes Without a Face is great. Blood of the Beast is actually a special feature on that Criterion disc. You know, watch it if you dare. But yeah, this is a really short film that crosscuts peaceful post-war suburban Paris streets with uh, scenes from the inside of a slaughterhouse. So you see horses 
cattle, sheep. No. Nope. I saw this nope. in my <laughs> history of the documentary course in college. And I, yeah, that started, you know, I don't, whatever. I'm not going to get off on a rant about what we all eat, but that got me to th- start thinking a little bit more about my diet and make decisions um, that way that I still implement to this day. And, you know, that's all I'll say about that. But fuck, that that documentary just scared me into changing how I actually live my life, which is pretty strange. Good for that movie. (laughs) (laughs) Suppose if anything has been made in a film form that changes your life in a certain way, it's must be good. Well, here, okay, here's another one. This is this is truly the most like terrifying documentary I've ever seen. Really sensitive subject, so you know, sorry for bringing this stuff up, but th- it's really important. This is called "Deliver Us from Evil." It was released in 2006, made by Amy Berg, who's a great documentarian. And this is a documentary about an Irish Catholic priest whose name I'm not even gonna uh, repeat because he's a filthy bastard who molested and raped more than 25 children and what makes this movie so chilling is that this asshole is just out there just walking around being interviewed in front of playgrounds telling his story with casual ease with no remorse and it's revolting and it should be but it is necessary viewing and it's not one-sided we meet his victims and those are not easy interviews to watch but documentaries like this and now sometimes documentary series appear occasionally and they're tough to watch but the good ones i think are really important to see because we got to talk about this stuff no go for you on that one (laughs) i I was gonna say there's probably no movie on this list that you are gonna list that if i've never seen that i'll see but yeah but i'm I'm gonna pick up the documentary aspect of oh, this cool this is a this is actually just a cool story about this this is a, a documentary called charles manson superstar oh okay i don't know if you've I've ever heard seen of this. this never seen it heard of it never seen it so there's a lot of documentaries on charles manson yeah um and this one is one of the best interview footage you'll ever see of him uh because he's got some like famous interviews that you can find on youtube and things like that but this is one full movie where the filmmakers had this guy in a room for I don't know how long it probably hours where he just talked and I was preparing to audition for a giant solo show where I'd be playing Charles Manson and I really wanted to get into um, the physicality the mannerisms the the speech just sort of I needed to see what I needed to see of him that I couldn't I wasn't getting enough from YouTube clips. So uh, this movie, it really throws you into his mindset and his way of thinking. And what's so crazy and is scary about the movie was that at a certain point during the movie, now maybe it's because I was approaching it by taking him on as an actor, but all of a sudden I started to actually see his point of view on a lot of things and be like, Jesus Christ, he's right. That's the whole, and, that's the whole like thing about him. And that's what that yeah. uh, show Mindhunter, he was in an episode of the show Mindhunter yep. where that was like kind of the, the ultimate conceit of Manson that you could see how he could do this to people. Sorry, keep going. I'm really yeah. excited to see and this by the way. <laughs> and he's doing it right before your eyes. That scared me so much because I saw 
this person who believes these things and then in turn through just watching a documentary, I'm questioning how I feel about things because he's made me turn my mind to it. So that's the power of Charles Manson right in front of you if you're willing to kind of like fall into his spell. But um, I had that was that was my favorite prep I've ever had into doing any type of audition. And um, that was all credit to that movie. Terrifying. Oh, man, I'm gonna have to try to track that one down because it doesn't maybe there's like a YouTube clip or something. You can find the whole thing on YouTube. Okay, cool. I'm definitely gonna do that because yeah, I uh, fascinating character. And for that reason, you're describing and you can you can kind of see how if a lot of free psychedelic drugs were involved and someone was just feeding them to you. And he has that you know sort of silver tongue as it were you can see how people could be manipulated absolutely especially if they're coming from a place of trauma and all that stuff chaos folks go read chaos great book so i'm going to switch gears to a bona fide classic that i still can watch a lot and it doesn't have the same i'm not as like terrified as the first time i saw it but the first time i saw the texas chainsaw massacre directed by toby hooper I watched this one as a kid with a few of my friends. We're probably 12, and we knew what we were getting ourselves in for. Like, we had heard uh, all the stories. We'd heard the references, and it's like, oh, this is going to be the goriest and scariest movie ever made. And what I remember most from that viewing were two things. One, this movie is not gory at all. There's hardly any blood in it. And two, the end scene, or really the end sequence set during the day is easily the scariest thing in the movie it's an absolute genius ending those final few shots leave you terrified and confused i will i remember where i was sitting like in my friend's basement watching it it's like just imagine now four 12 year old boys watching a movie from 1974 on a friday night and then they can't speak for like five minutes after because they don't know how to process how disturbed they are by that ending. And I, I don't even know if that stuff happens anymore. I don't even know if kids are like watching movies like that. But yeah, that that laugh, scream, the, the blood in the uh. hand and him wielding the chain. I mean, it's it's just, it's genius filmmaking. But yeah, that was, oh God, terrifying. It's, mm, no, no, absolutely not. All right, what's next for you? Uh, God damn it. Do you even like any of the movies you're going to talk about? Do you like it? Yeah, movies? sure. I like them. I like them. I like them as far as I can throw them. I <laughs> so I've got a little bit of this is a twofer. Uh, they're both have to do with plane crashes. So oh, great. So yeah. So I absolutely am terrified of a plane crash. I I have to get hammered before I even board a yeah, flight. This is very true. Jesus. It makes me yeah. a great God. passenger to be with. But um, well, anyways, the point that I'm making is, is that these two movies that I'm going to reference are the most horrific plane crash sequences I've ever seen. And I cannot do it again. And there's one movie I, I can't watch ever again because of other reasons. But the first one I'm going to go with is The Grey. I knew that. I knew this was coming. Yeah. The plane crash scene, man. Fuck that scene. I saw it in theaters, and I had to fly the next fucking day. <laughs> I can't believe you remember God. the flight. All right, what's the second one, though? I, I have a guess. Okay. But so the second one, I know you actually love this movie. Yeah, you definitely know what it is. I, I believe it was your favorite movie of 2006. 
Um, and that's United 93. Yeah, that's that's not what I thought you were going. I thought you were going to do uh, Flight with Denzel, which I do love, but is by no nowhere near my favorite movie of the year. Um, of, of Fuck that, that movie, year. too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, United 93 is um, the still the best movie made about 9-11. The first movie, the first major movie made about 9-11, still the best. Um, I don't know if anyone's ever really going to top it. It's a... Uh, it's a really, really tough movie to watch, but it is, it's just bracing. But yeah, I can see someone who has a phobia of flying, how that one would be tough for you. And yeah, it would either be that or um, Babel for 2006. But yeah, one of those. I'll tell you what movie it would be. I'll tell you, let's open up this can of worms. The Departed. Sure, oh, no. shit would be The Departed. Make a rest. <laughs> Jesus oh. Hey guys, hey guys, which one is it? In Jack Nicholson's crew. Nick, can you guess who the cop might be? Can you guess? It's the one acting like a fucking maniac the entire time. Oh wow, it's DiCaprio, really. The one who's losing his I, mind. Who can't fucking string a I can only imagine together. the guy with the raspy voice. I didn't see it coming. I didn't think it was him. <laughs> oh my god. Whole other discussion. Whole other discussion. An, an entertaining film, don't get me wrong, but Holy Christ. I got to go back in our Twitter feed and revise our, my favorite movie of 06. Yeah, United 93, for all the reasons that, like you said, it is very good. It's it's so well made. And I think that's the reason why it's so terrifying. And even outside of the plane crash sequence and putting yourself in the space of those souls that lost their lives on that day, I think that's what ultimately scares me the most. Mm-hmm. It's the same thing for Zero Day. It's like when you're placing yourself so close to the true reality of what was happening in those moments and for those people, I can't. It's so it's so it's so horrific and so tragic that it it just it just yeah, like now see now there's a good example of a movie I'll never watch again. Mm-hmm. But but for reasons of it being it is so good. I'm glad I saw it. I think it's an important movie to see. I can't watch that again. I can't put myself through it. That is one of the most memorable, certainly movie going experiences I ever had because it was one of the most visceral. And that's I I remember by the end, I was wearing a hoodie, came out like in the spring and I was wearing a hoodie and I had my hood up and my knees just tucked. I was seeing the theater just tucked into my chest and I was kind of holding them like in a sitting fetal position. And by the time that the plane hits and, you know, those final credits come up and that really haunting song and score i i had i realized what position i was in and i like unraveled myself and went holy shit like that was yeah that was that's a tough movie but i've seen it more than once certainly i have a lot of admiration for it paul greengrass does a really really good commentary for it um yeah good movie but definitely scary scarier than shit one of the scariest things to me again like the real life innocence lost you get to see like how that went down and the process of like (laughs) the fuck are we going to do? And, you know, everyone making the decision, call, not call, rush the cockpit or not. Oof, terrifying. I, I did think it would be important to talk about visceral movie-going experiences in times when you could witness a crowd that was losing their minds. Or, I, you know, there were, a few years ago, I remember someone found, like, audio of Halloween playing, like, original. I don't know if it was from 1978, but it was, like, or if it was a re-release in 1981. But at any rate... Someone just released the audio of the closet scene of him like bursting in the closet and people in the theater were losing, just absolutely losing their mind. And that's what my mom said it was like. She was like, you know, I saw that in the theater to my girlfriends and people were just in mass leaving, rushing out because they were so scared. 
That's happened to me twice in my life. I've never rushed out of a theater, but that's uh, that's happened only twice. And I've I've been to the movie theater a lot in my life. And I have only seen crowds like in mass rush out twice. And I've said it many times before, and I will keep saying it. If you saw the Blair Witch Project in the movie theater in its initial run, it scared you. It just it had that effect on people. It was a huge pop culture sensation summer of 1999. So many people thought it was real. I never really bought into that aspect of it. Moreover, to personalize it, I grew up in a town that was like 15 minutes away from Burkittsville, Maryland. So driving through it or driving near it was not uncommon to me. And I mean, the influx of people that like descended upon that town that summer and that Halloween season, it was nuts. But I vividly remember people literally running out of the theater screaming. I'm talking men, women, young, old. It did not matter. And for those of us who stayed when it was done, people just like didn't know what to do. Did you see this one in the theater? Oh, yeah. I got a whole story <laughs> about this one. I, I saw it with my mom. And um, and, and this, movie, I, this movie fucked my mom up real bad. She's terrified of this movie. It has one of the scenes that I think is one of, to me, one of the most scary things I've ever seen on film. Mm-hmm. When they're in the tent oh, and, and then the hands oh, my God. shake the tent. You're built up to this level of suspense and terror and you don't know where it's coming from. And when it gets that close and you realize that it's right outside this thin layer of material and and you just burst out running like, oh, my God, like, oh, just absolutely. Ah, ah. horrible experience i think we've actually talked about these in our most memorable movie going experiences in which is way back like episode five for us but i remember saying for that scene specifically the scariest part for that for me is that they book it they run and then she's like what time is it and it's something like only like 2 15 and i i remember my heart just sinking being like oh my god are they gonna make us like a week, we could be here for four more hours before before the sun comes up. You, you're like, just get me out of this dread. Oh, and again, I I have met many, many, many people who've watched this movie and the one I'm about to mention, which is another obvious pick, for the first time at home during the day with full control of volume, pause, and it did not scare them. Got to go back to the source to the theater. When my mom and I came back home that night. Uh, we had an apartment that was in like the back and um, we had a yard, but there were no lights back there. So we stopped because <laughs> we were both too scared to just go. And we were, I mean, we lived in like a safe suburban little area, but we couldn't because it was like, oh, my God, we can't like the idea of walking in the dark just for a little bit to just unlock the door. Like we both stood there for like five minutes, not both not wanting to do it. So eventually we just did, but we were like holding on to each other. <laughs> and we're like, just go Praise one foot in the other, one foot in the other, one foot in the other. If we just keep talking, it's not as scary. <laughs> that level of fear from a film has only happened to me once where I was literally afraid to walk. It is my next pick. That is when I got home following my first viewing of paranormal activity. Yeah, no. exactly. Exactly. And again, Uh, I know so many people who've watched this and all the subsequent movies at home when you can manipulate it, you can have control. I'm telling you, like, if you saw this movie in the theater on its first run, if you remember, like, its very first run, then I guarantee you were were scared. Because this movie first hit theaters 
very, very select theaters. You probably had to drive to see it. And it was only playing at midnight for months. For months, they only did midnight showings. So two friends of mine, we went and, you know, we drove to Georgetown actually to see it. And it was terrifying that I was scared throughout the whole movie. I was scared on the way home. I was like trapped in my car, like you were saying. I was afraid to walk in. And that was the genius of this movie, of seeing it at midnight, is that you left and it's like two in the morning and then you had to drive home. And then, yeah, when you had to get out of your car, like whatever, three in the morning, it was just, oh my God, it was terrifying. But yeah, people, boyfriends and girlfriends looking at each other like, why did you bring me to this? Like, why are we here? I don't, and then leaving because they're mad or a lot of them just like screaming out of the theater, people vomiting. Like it was, oh man, it was terrifying. It was absolutely terrifying. This is this movie's on my list. Oh, awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Crossover. I was one of those poor bastards that was dragged by a friend. Oh. I went with two <laughs> buddies, and the other guy is just a big scaredy cat as I am. So we we start watching this movie, and 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 you're right about seeing it in theaters because there's something about every time it turns night. Like that's those are the scariest parts of the of the movie. Yeah, and, and there's like a sound effect that he does. Sound effect. It's like a Pavlovian thing where it, the more you hear it, because each night gets worse and worse, as soon as you start hearing that sound, like it literally sends shivers down your spine. I have said that very fact to people who've only watched it at home. They have no idea what I'm talking about. And I go, yep. ah, see, there it was. It's those, I, those little things matter. They do. For the experiences we're talking about, those little touches are very important. And and every time that happened, because it, it grew, it like mm-hmm. each scene got more and more... I that is where I was like, oh, no, no, God, oh, I don't, I don't want to sit through it. I had my my knees up on the chair up until like my face. I'm hiding my face. Yeah, I can't. That movie, that movie did it. That movie <laughs> fucking did it. Have you ever seen any of the sequels? Absolutely not. Why would I do that? <laughs> Here's a little shout out. Why would I do that? Part two has because I've seen them all because, you know, why not? Part two has the single scariest scare like scene it's very quick but scare of that entire series and if you're if you saw part two in the theater and you're in it and it takes place during the day anyone who's seen that movie knows exactly what i'm talking about it is absolutely like one of the few times i was holding i I had to have been popcorn and just went everywhere and i was not the only one in the theater was and it's a genuine fright not like bullshit the music screeches nothing like that it's a genuine in-camera fright no computer effects nothing like that fucking great <laughs> fuck that shit i'll send no. you the scene on youtube you can watch it <laughs> that i'll kill you i'll <laughs> so uh we'll watch a movie one day and i'll just like cross cut that scene into it and you'll be like is this from the movie you're watching i'm like yes you know what I'll, I'll say this if you did it that way i couldn't be mad i couldn't <laughs> be, be awesome. mad because it would be really <laughs> give me cool ideas cause- because all of a sudden, if you were to do that, and I'm like, yeah, they're like this doesn't really make a lot of sense. What's really happening right here? And then that's, and you're like, that's it. That's the cross cut, you fucker. Um, so I kind of that was cool that we had some crossover. Do you want to jump on another one? All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna talk about a movie that I think if I was to put a point in my life where this with horror movies, because like I said, when I was younger, I really liked them. This may have been the movie that put like the death nail. In the coffin That's so for cool. Me I was going to ask that. Was there one that you were like, I think I've gone too far. <laughs> it's just, yeah. I can't do this. Is oh, it. so this is it. Let's hear it. And this is the movie that, that did it. And it might seem like now when I say it, like, really, that's what did it. But I think you also have to put into perspective that when this movie came out in theaters, 
It's a very different experience. And I'm talking about the first Saw. Ooh, yes. And, and, and this is also that point where you're talking about a slasher movie mixed with disturbing reality. Like, this mm-hmm. all could happen with some sick fuck and um, I think I was at a point in my life now where I did not really want to see that type of thing. Like, I'm fine with maybe some type of spooks and scares. Like, maybe paranormal activity wouldn't have bothered me then. But when Saw was happening, I will never forget the scene of where the little girl is in her bed and she thinks that someone's in the closet. And, like, the parents come and check and everything, but then the camera does just this very quick pan to the figure Mm -hmm. grabbing her. Oh, my God. And and (laughs) then you go through all of this, and you say what you will about Carrie Elways. Carrie Elways is... Oh, I love Carrie. He's awesome. I love that guy. When we get to the end, and he starts... Spoiler, folks. He starts sawing off his own leg. Um, <laughs> when he starts to do that, because he's reached an emotional point where the only logical thing to do is to cut off his leg. Yeah. I think I, like, whatever release reason, like, vibed with the decision to do that. And then watching the actual thing happen... I straight up almost vomited right there in the theater. I oh, really? Gagged. Like, really? I, I like literally sh- bile came up and I thought I was going to throw up to the stranger next to me. Oh, so th- this is one of the prompts I wanted to ask is has any movie like literally given you a stomach distress with distaste for food and an urge to vomit, like literally given you nausea? So this. Oh, wow. Yeah. So you, it, it had. I had. Oh, my God. Oh, uh, fortunately, I didn't, but it was the closest I've ever felt to throwing up by seeing something visually, not just in a theater, just seeing a visual and putting together everything that was happening. And what it really was, what it really was, was the very beginning, because when he first starts to do it, only a little bit of blood comes out because Mm -hmm. like the 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 razors are just touching the skin. And then to think about what's happening. You know what? Why are we doing this, man? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, the only thing that's really going to make me to like give me nausea like that is something that is like realistic body horror or torture sometimes self-inflicted but uh, so i actually have three examples there there's only been three times come very close to losing it and almost had to excuse myself but knew that if i did like the very movement alone i wouldn't be able to make it out of the theater i'd be like vomiting in the aisle the first one is actually at home and that is the baseball scene the baseball bat scene in casino i i never had that reaction before but when they are beating i don't want to say who few people get beaten to death with baseball bats and it is very fucking gruesome. I don't want to say who because that's one of my favorite movies, but I remember seeing that when I was like uh, 10 or 11, being like, holy shit, like that just, you know what that would feel like and yeah. have that done to you like a hundred times would <laughs> not be fun. First one in the theater, Lars von Trier, Antichrist. Oh man, oh, I almost lost it. The, uh, it's the blo- I'm going to go through these quickly because they're hard to talk about. Uh, the block of wood, the drill, the bolt, like all of that, I just went... We've really, really ventured into a new area here, haven't we? And I remember thinking like, oh, I'm going to, if I move to go to the bathroom, like I'm going to lose it. Like I'm going to throw up. So I have to kind of, so that was like head down, just trying to sip water, like not watching it. 
and my friend who was with me clearly knew I think what was about to happen that was coincidentally the same friend I saw paranormal activity with so he's probably trying to get me back and then um that was almost 10 years ago and I've I've been I've been nausea free in my theatrical experiences ever since until I saw Titan recently which Whoa. is I, I don't even know like how to fully get into it if anyone is listening to this and you've seen this movie at one the con palm noir the most recent one which is wild even crazier it is france's submission for their foreign film academy award this is without question the most insane fucking movie i've ever seen that is even possibly up for an academy award the fact that it's their submission is really kind of hilarious but uh can't say the movie was fully for me um someone sets out to give themselves a nose job and it's not with a hammer and it's just that's all i'll say and i went man i don't know if i'm going to be able to make this whole thing like i'm sweating talking about it i was like i don't know if i'm going to be able to make this the whole time there's only like five of us in the theater and uh we were all on the same page it was like it's kind of early on and i was like Wow, we're really we're really getting going, but you know that's um uh, that's a movie, folks. It's something. It's a movie with its own vision, but you know I uh I don't think that one will be appearing on any end of the year lists for me personally. But holy shit, yeah, almost lost it. And I saw that last week. Ooh. So I'm gonna talk about these three movies because these are the three best movies that scare the absolute shit out of me but i will 100 percent watch these over and over and over and i will recommend them to people to the for the end of time oh, okay good good i like that it's like someone some you genuinely recommend but genuinely scare you yeah i think these are all perfect fucking movies nice and i'm talking about seven silence of the lambs and a great fucking um, movie called The Vanishing. Ooh, I love it. That's a hell of a triple feature right there, folks. Wow. Yep. Because the, the, now The Vanishing is probably the more removed because Seven and Silence of the Lambs, like that's actually a really great double feature because yeah. you're both talking about serial killers. You're both talking about police detectives going after it. The, the, the vibes are very similar. So I guess we'll start with those. I mean, I just can't say enough, but... I will never forget the scene in Seven where they burst into the, um, I the believe the sin was Sloth. Oh, that well, guy. no, oh, the, under, the underground yeah. club. Now that my college girlfriend, she she literally made me turn the movie off after that scene. That's, that's when, I, that's, a, that's like a crazy movie, but the first time I saw it, when Lust happened, I went, oh, we've definitely kicked into another gear here i yep. i didn't know this is what this movie was capable of but sloth is like yeah that him that uh, uh, was like the oh my god oh the first time i saw it because oh. the way that they build up the tension with the swat team going in yep. like they're prepared for something and then you see this corpse mm -hmm. just shoots up uh, yeah you know what oh my fucking god man i don't know why we're doing god, this I love i'm, that I'm gonna have a fucking heart attack it's so good though <laughs> silence of the lambs oh man you're on the edge of your seat with this very very well-taught thriller but you're being freaked out to me the scariest scene 
is the scene where she actually gets abducted. Oh, it's terrifying. The, that's the realest part of that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <sighs> you know, you know, I, you know, and then the vanishing. <laughs> yes. So I guess the premise of this movie is that it's this couple. They're going on like a little vacation with each other. And they're having like these couple type of conversations and woes and all of this. So it's very real. And then all of a sudden they're at a gas station and she's gone. Mm -hmm. And the way that we go about watching the panic that starts to come up for him is just truly one of the most real um, depictions of panic I've ever seen on a movie. Coupling his whole entire journey with this, with the guy that is the criminal, it's just a level of reality that puts you into the space of a, of a, of a serial killer or someone who just does these things in a way that I've just never seen done before. Um, and it's really important to mention that you're talking about the 1988 version. Yes. Of the remake that he himself remade, but... That, that's the thing that's most uh, Roger Ebert really went to bat for this movie, too. And really, really, it was one of his favorites that and he really tried to get more and more people to see it. And the mo that's the most disturbing thing is how just cold and detached it is. And it is so real because they're actually talking like normal people and there's nothing hysterical or over the top about anyone in it. And that's what is the most terrifying thing. It's a great choice. We've talked about this one on the podcast before, but definitely see the vanishing. Yeah. Yeah. Seven is another annual one for me that I just love. And I, that was one that almost made my list because just based on the first time I saw it, I was watching it alone at home and it, yeah, never expected that ending to go where it did. Like no one does. And it's just, no one does. Oh man. It's still really, really effective. Oh my God. It's my favorite Fincher. Yeah, me too. It's still my favorite. We're going to have to do a whole pot on him, but yeah, it still remains my favorite as well. My second to last one here is a, is a late addition because it kind of slipped my mind. And that's part of the problem is that this used to be talked about a lot. Great cult classic film, but I don't hear it in conversation much anymore. And that's Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer. <gasps> which is, Dude. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. So you look at oh. your. Yeah, exactly. May 1986. This is a fucking nasty little 83 minute movie oh michael rooker his first yeah. performance he's gone on to have a huge great career in so many different things it's just one of the most believable accurate portrayals of a serial killer ever and there's i mean a, a crime scene in it that's told from you know like a home video camera that is just absolutely terrifying and it, it's really surprising they could even get this made in 1986. And yeah, it's this is one hell of a disturbing movie. But certainly, I I mean, I was I was definitely an adult when I saw it and just was like mortified by what I was watching. But it's still well made. That's that's what's so damn disturbing. Like it's incredibly well acted and yeah, really well made. And you clearly have an opinion on this one as well, <laughs> dude. I saw this way too young. I maybe maybe not oh, even, maybe man. too young's not even a thing to say. Maybe I just. I saw this movie, and <laughs> I can't believe I forgot about this even going into this yeah, list. Because, dude, yeah, you just exactly. yeah, you're right. You just said it because like it kind of slips your mind. But I'll just say this: the the movie's poster is terrifying. Yeah, from the the photo of him, yeah. just standing there with the way the font is, with like it's one of the best movie posters I've ever seen because it immediately 
which just the look and visual of that photograph and the way it's presented lets you know exactly what that movie feels like. Yeah, it really does. And he just, it's a friend, it's like a still from the movie of him just looking at himself in the mirror. It's, oh, that's a really another very effective horror, psychological, realistic, scary fucking movie. Oh, fuck you. <laughs> Damn right. <laughs> One of my final picks, I wanted to end with a newer-ish movie. This came out five years ago. But this is certainly one of the more disturbing movies, good disturbing movies I've ever seen, definitely within the last five years. And that's The Eyes of My Mother, which was released in 2016. And it's produced by Antonio Campos, who we love, directed by Nicholas Pesh. And man, this thing is 76 minutes long, black and white, vicious as all hell. It's about a family in a secluded farmhouse who have some really horrible things happen to them and then... They do some really horrible things to other people, and wow, if you're into, like, dread and angst and just melancholic terror, all realistic stuff, here you go. It's a, it's a vicious little wonder. Eyes of my mother. I take it you probably will not be watching this. Yeah, go fuck yourself. I'm not going to that. I'm not going to see it. Fair enough. All right. I'm just going to end... You, you scratched on it a little bit. All right. I think it's also, it's, in my opinion, it's my favorite and I think the scariest movie ever made. And that is the classic Halloween. Oh, yes. Can't go wrong with that. You Come really can't. And you know what? And I want to give a shout out to Halloween 2, 4, 5, and 6 as well. <laughs> I'm a big H2O fan. I love Halloween H2O. I love that movie. And I just saw Halloween Kills, the new David Gordon Green one. I had some fun with it. it you know, it, the, the first hour is a lot better than the last portion, but... The original, you just cannot touch it. It is great. It's an art film. We've said that before in this podcast, but if you go back and watch it, that is a indie artist oh, yeah. working in the genre of horror. That's all that is. From the music to the cinematography, the opening shot of the camera with just like the clown mask on oh, the point of view. Man. That yeah. is terrifying. And it's so like it's so simple. But no one does that shit anymore. It's just, it's so good. I, I'm not, I'm not going to go on and on about it. But the only thing that I'll say is like, I, I love that you brought up the story about uh, crowds yeah. at that time. Oh, yeah. Because I can only imagine like when he sits up, what that must have been like for an audience. It, I know that's it, featured in the clip is like when he sits up and people are just, they're just losing their minds in the theater. They're just absolutely terrified. That certainly hadn't been that type of movie hadn't been done that well with and be able to be seen by that many people. You know, it was a it was a small it was an independently made movie, but it had like a big release. And it, that would have been the first time a lot of people saw that type of terror on screen. Fuck, I love that movie so much. I feel like we would be remiss if we had this whole entire scary movie conversation where we didn't talk about at least this one thing from a movie that both you and I both actually truly enjoy. Okay. And I'm not going to talk about the whole movie, but the opening scene of Scream. Oh my God, yeah. Oh I my think God. that scene is the best slash most entertaining horror sequence ever. Well, thank you so much for bringing this up because yeah, like that movie, that's such a personal movie for me. Like, I, you know, I grew up in a house where my mom took me to see that in the theater. I, I was 11. So, and it was like normal. It wasn't, a big thing and I remember her 
you know, because you like, it sounds like you watch a lot of scary movies with your mom too. So like you're basing your reaction, like how scared should I be or how excited should I be off their reaction? And what my, what I remember so vividly from my mom was during that opening sequence, like she leaned in and she's like, if if she's dead, I've never seen this in a movie before. Like this is the star of the movie, right? So if this is, maybe we're going to flash back. And I remember just being so impressed by that and then being like, oh, no one is safe in this movie. No one. And then the end realizing who is behind the killings was, it's just a really ingenious thing that I, I, I'm i sure it had been done, but not really at that level. And yeah. it's really, really smart. And then the other thing about Scream, which I mean, we could do, God, we could do an entire po- podcast on it. No problem. Is that it encourages you to laugh. And that was always one of my funniest movies growing up. It, I thought there were moments of it that were just so outrageous and ridiculous. But yeah, like big shout out to Scream. And th- those opening, that opening sequence is, it's outstanding. It's perfect. All right, one last question before we get into what are you watching? Yes. We talked about all these movies, but is there one particular scene that scares you more than any other scene you've ever seen in a movie? That's a good question. The first thing that comes to mind, because this is an amazing, incredible movie sequence that begins a subsequent kind of standard genre, almost made for TV vibe thriller. So this opening scene is so good that the movie can't live up to it. And that's When a Stranger Calls from 1979, which really puts brings to life that, you know, urban legend of. You're getting the babysitter's getting calls. You know, have you checked the children? Have you checked the children? It keeps going. It's incessant. She calls the police. The police track the line. They find out that it's coming from inside the house. It's coming from inside the house. I will never forget. Like my mom, that was another one. She's like, okay, we got to watch this. Like you got to check this out. Just it, that being so, so scary. And then it's almost like you could watch the first 20 minutes of that movie in the last like 15. And that's a really good 35 minute movie. And the stuff in between isn't just really isn't as interesting but that's the first thing that comes to mind where you're talking about like a really really great terrifying sequence in a movie that really doesn't remain terrifying i saw it i i saw it a long time ago yeah but the scene that comes to mind for me is from a movie that i don't think people might consider a horror movie but i think it's actually more of a horror than anything else and that's the first terminator Ooh, and it's the police station shootout that scene is truly terrifying. Sarah Connor's character is so vulnerable and she has, you know, Kyle Reese to be the one person to protect her, but they're yeah. separated in a place that's supposed to be the safest place you can be, a police station. And he comes in there, cuts out the lights, the whole station tries to take this guy down and can't because he's the terminator. And but the music that goes along with it and the way that's all set up, that is truly a very, very terrifying scene that I would almost venture to say wouldn't be made today. I don't even know if we need to talk about Kevin could be made today exactly as it is. Bring that. But we're going to get right into what are you (laughs) right into what are you watching? I'll go first today because this is a movie I had not seen. So I literally did just watch it and I'm recommending it. Um, It's a movie called Angst from 1983 and here's the only selling point you need for this movie this is cited as one of the favorite films and after watching it is clearly 
the biggest movie influence of the man we all love, Gaspar Noé. Whoa, buddy. So you want to know what movie influenced that mad maniac? Go watch Angst, 1983, currently available on the Criterion channel. I have always wanted to see this film, but I knew it was going to be tough. It's only like 87 minutes long. If it influenced Gaspar away and inspires him, it's going to be tough. And it, this was really hard to see for a while. It was banned like everywhere for a long time. I didn't even know it was on Criterion. They have a cool section right now called um, Home Invasions. And this is on there. And before, <laughs> a really cool and before I clicked it, it is. They do. They do. Criterion does. Dude, I saw it. Cultivated sections every Halloween. They did 70s in horror last year. I watched all of them. It was great. Anyhow, before I clicked play, I was like, let me read what he said about this. Because he talks about this movie a lot. And the thing he keeps saying is... He had seen movies that had inspired him, 2001, which is probably still his favorite movie, but he had never seen a movie with this innovative of camera work. And I'm like, what? In a crazy, like, 87-minute long horror movie? Like, camera work? He keeps talking, score, camera work, score. This this really isn't, like, traditionally scary in the ways we're talking about, but it, even if you watch, like, the first 20 minutes, the camera work in this movie, I don't even know how they did some of it, is incredible. Enter the void, all over it. Irreversible, all over it. So... It's you're following a guy around. It's a guy. It's about a guy who's released from prison. And the very first thing he does is pretty much invade the first house he finds and does awful things to the people living there. And he doesn't speak in the entire movie, but there's it's all voiceover from him, which is terrifying because it's he's delivering all these. He's saying all these macabre words, but delivering them with this kind of cold indifference. And we're going to be working our way up to a Gaspar Noé director's pod at some point. Um, It's you know, it's. He's made movies that are difficult to talk about, especially in the times we live in. But I have a lot of respect for him as a filmmaker. And this is a nasty little movie that fits very well into our theme for today. So Angst, 1983, Criterion Channel. That is a very, very cool device to use for your killer in that type of situation to not have any dialogue. You just hear voiceover and then his actions. That's which Chilling. Gaspar does all the time. He does that in Love. He does yeah. that in... And, and the camera work is such a very clear one-to-one inspiration for Enter the Void. It's it's kind of first-person point perspective. It's it's a really, really interesting movie that just has a few sequences of insane violence. But you're always going to be watching it being like, camera work's really, really cool, actually. It's really well done. And then the score is just nothing like... It, it sounds like a Terminator score, like 80 cents. It was wild. Absolutely wild. You know what? I'm not going to watch it yet. But when we do our Gaspar Noé episode, I will watch it. Yeah, it's almost like required viewing because it feels like a movie he made before he ever made a movie. It it just, it, you know, I no disrespect to the director, but that's how it feels. It just feels like a Gaspar Noé movie. It's It's great. It's great. What about you, though? What do you throw into the folks today? So this might be something you might not actually know. It's kind of cool for me to bring up on the pod is that as much as I am adverse to horror movies, I love horror books. Oh, okay. Love, love reading horror. I don't know what separation I can make. Still to this day, you like reading them? To this day. Yeah. Oh, cool. Cool. Yep. And one of my favorite authors is Stephen King. Um, I think he, like, especially his short stories, like his short novels, he really knows how to get into like a certain type of horror and he can go anywhere within it, 
But um, so I'm bringing up this movie because this movie is based off of a Stephen King book, scares the absolute shit out of me. And that's misery. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. Never read a Stephen King book. Decided to read one. Read that one. Finished it like two weeks ago. Dead serious. Really? Oh, shit. Never read it. Dead serious. (laughs) And I, that's, that is fucking hysterical. I'm, I was really happy I picked that one and it was, I mean, great read. He's, he's a genuinely great author. I'm just, I've spent a lot of my life watching movies, like a lot. So I'm not... I, I'm just not that well read. I'm I'm actually working on that now. Like I'm trying to read as much as I can. But yeah, great read, great adaptation of that book to yep, that movie. It so, really but is. Yeah, that I can, that's why I had to start laughing. I cannot believe that you're bringing up that book and that movie. When oh my god, when I just literally finished it, it's great. Oh, man. You can't teach this type of chemistry. <laughs> no, you can't, buddy. First of all, that book is way more gruesome in her torture. Yeah, movie. she does. Yeah, she does shit that like you just wouldn't be able to put in a 1990 movie. It's like that was you know what was most jarring right away. Oh man. Oh my god. Well, see now here's a here's a cool thing about this is like that was a movie I saw as a kid and will not watch today because mm-hmm. it affected me so much as a kid because. I did not go into that movie knowing like it, that wasn't like a situation where I rented Misery and put it in the VCR and started watching it. No, this was a movie that was just somehow on in our house and I had no idea what it was. <laughs> and I think I just was like maybe like 10 minutes into the movie. So I just sit down and start watching whatever was on the TV and then was like, what am I watching? What is happening here? It was so terrifying and i think it really just touches on that bone of like if you are being trapped you are completely helpless in a situation and the only help that you have is the thing that's traumatizing you oh my god you're stuck i know it's a fucking ride man it's a good movie good book (laughs) and there's some uh there's a little fat in the book that if you've if you had only seen the movie like i had he made they made good cuts in adapting it. That's all. It makes sense to read in the context of a book, but you wouldn't need have needed to see the extra stuff on screen. So, you know, usually that's a criticism like, oh, well, it didn't have everything that the book had. But I always appreciate when those are well-made cuts. So that's it. You made it, buddy. <laughs> you got through <laughs> scary movie pod. I didn't know this was going to be so, you know, torturous for you. I had a great time. I'm going to go watch some of these, actually. Oh, you great. Know? Why not? Thank you for making it through. And this one went a little longer than I thought, but I always love when that happens. And I know we went on some tangents that I hope people enjoyed. But as always, thanks for listening and happy watching. Happy Halloween. Whatever. Hey, everyone. Thanks again for listening. You can watch my films and read my movie blog at alexwithrow.com. NicholasDostal.com is where you can find all of Nick's film work. If you have any questions or comments, please email us at whatareyouwatchingpodcast at gmail.com. And of course, you can find us on Twitter at W-A-Y-W underscore podcast. Next time, we're going to do a career deep dive on an actress who will likely be nominated for an Emmy and an Oscar this year. Stay tuned. It's Chastain, guys. It's Jessica Chastain. 
I'm having a moment over here. I know. <laughs> We're just What's talking next? about these. Um, my knee pits are sweating.